Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The Red Hot Minnesota Twins. Angel Hernandez strikes again. Robert Murray running on empty. The baseball insider starts right now. Bert, you want to start with the uh, first place Minnesota Twins or the rough night that Angel Hernandez had trying to be a home plate umpire in the Phillies and Brewers game? Your choice. I think we got to start with Angel Hernandez. Wasn't that an absolute debacle, Carm? Uh, de- debacle and debacle and uh, an offense to baseball. Is that but, how you pronounce it? It's definitely not debacle. It would be debacle. But we uh, wow. listen. Uh, Here's up in the chat. Uh, hit us up in the chats there uh, if, if uh, you're kind of stunned by Burt's tobacco. Uh, we respond to all Baseball Insider reviews, by the way. Apple, uh, we would love to see you chatting. And what do you like? What do you not like? Who's your favorite? Why is Robert Murray so awesome? Uh, leave a five-star review. That would be fantastic. Uh, and Hunter uh, is putting in the chat right now. Did you see the clip of him leaving? So we can start there that he's driving out of the stadium last night. And uh, fans are yelling at him, Angel Hernandez, you suck and I hate you. I'm not here to defend Angel Hernandez, Bert, but I am here to speak of a baseball era gone by. And I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the 90s Braves as well as I do, uh, because I'm a little bit older than you. But he, uh, you know, back in the day, Greg Maddox would get, couple inches off the plate, four inches off the plate, five inches off the plate. Same thing with Tom Glavin. Well, if you can consistently put it there and the catcher sets up there, that's, you know, that's part of the deal. So you had players, you know, leaning out over the plate and that's how it was umped. That's, that's what went on. And it always seemed completely unfair. I mean, I think today is obviously better, Um, but Hernandez horrible, got 85% of the pitches, right? Uh, missed 19 calls. Kyle Schwarber was absolutely justified in losing his mind, but he just had a really wide strike zone. And people do complain that baseball takes forever. Well, you want to you wanted to move along. Wide strike zones help. That's all I'm saying. No, you're exactly right. You saw like the wide strike zone thing. You saw Noah Syndergaard tweet his support for Angel Hernandez for that exact reason. Um, and I'm sure other pitchers feel the same way, but like the hitters, Kyle Schwarber, you never see him really get super pissed off. And yet he was absolutely letting Angel Hernandez have it. 
uh, as soon as that ended up happening and he got tossed. And ever since then, obviously you mentioned the Philly fans going after Hernandez as, as he was leaving the stadium, but there's been a bunch of Twitter stats have been pulled up. There's this, there's one from Codify. Um, he said this morning, or he said last night, Angel Hernandez has missed over 2,600 balls and strike calls in the last seven years. Oh, how I wish I was kidding. That is an absolutely absurd number, Carm. Like, how I don't know how that's legit. And there's also um, an ump scorecard Twitter account that gave him an 88% accuracy rating. And then uh, the overall favor was 0.77 runs for the Brewers in that game. So the Phillies, like, both teams were frustrated by the Phillies, like, especially so and justifiably so too. Yeah. There's so there's all these things out there, what you just named and there's umpire auditor, uh, which I don't think existed until, I don't know when umpire auditor was making its way around the old internet, but there's, you know, listen, there is more spotlight on the umpires now because of the box. And you can see that they missed the call. And I don't think that, I'm not giving Angel Hernandez any credit mm-hmm. that he was had a very strategic box that he was adhering to. Henceforth, he umped the game that he wanted to ump versus he's just really bad at his job. And for whatever reason, and if you could explain this to me, Bert, why does he get to keep his position? I know he had his lawsuit, which he lost, saying that he was there, there was discrimination on him being able to Ump in the World Series. He thought Joe Torre had it out for him. And maybe Torre did, but the bottom line is you're so bad at your job that there's no way to actually get there because there's just too much evidence against you. And by the way, you know, there's, you're, it's not like we haven't had uh, minorities, people of color who are umping the World Series. So it, was, it had no merits. But so why does he keep his gig? How does he get to do this? My honest answer is I don't know. Um, Hernandez stinks. Um, I mean, you want like, in, I always think that umpires referees in any sport have a very difficult job because no matter what, there's going to be somebody who's upset with them. But with Hernandez, it's a consistent theme. Every time he's behind the plate, there's always controversy. There's always somebody really upset. Um, and more often than not, they have every right to be. And it's at the point now where it's not just like a, a one-year thing. It's not a two-year thing. It's over a sustained period of time. Uh, like Major League Baseball, to me, has got to solve their Angel Hernandez problem because it has a big one, and it's long overdue. There, right. So, hey, Angel, this is your last season umpiring. We really appreciate your incredible career. You've been a great advocate for the game of baseball. Your story making it to an umpire is, is fantastic. But you're now 60 years old. And as much as we appreciate your history coming out of Cuba and um, everything that you've done for the game, uh, starting with working for the National League all the way back in 1991, you're awesome, man, but it's over, and we're going to create an umpire. Uh, no, we're not creating anything for you, actually. I was going to – because that's just – that's I, I don't know. I don't know why, why this dude um, can't just be fired. You're out. 
thank you. This is this is your performance. This is the majors, and we no longer are going to employ you. Period. And let me tell you, Carm, you're not the only person who's saying that. Actually, you're one of many people who are saying that, both outside of the game and inside of the game. Is how does Angel Hernandez still have a job? And, and nobody really has a good answer. Right. It, it doesn't. This doesn't keep me up at night. For the record, like but whatever. It does for me. Okay. Really. Okay. okay. But well, here. I'll, I'll give a, another Angel Hernandez moment in time. He's at Wrigley Field. I think the year was either 2000, 2001. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he has a terrible call at home plate uh, in the Cub game. Steve McMichael, uh, who's battling ALS, uh, one of the Chicago Bears all-time greats, gets up there to sing the seventh inning stretch. And and he's like, and for that home plate umpire down there, I got something for him too. And Angel Hernandez looks up at Steve McMichael in the booth, three stories up, and ejects Michael from the ballpark. You out of here. And it's just so pathetic. Like that you you want to use your power wherever you can use it. And that's the worst thing for me about referees or umpires. The I have the power, you don't, don't mess with me. This is the position I have in life. Like that dude, that's not the point of your position. You, your point is to be the, a, a good adjudicator and also a good communicator and have and be able to allow uh, water off a duck's back when someone's yelling at you, not to be a, the guy that kicks out the seventh inning stretch guy. He, he should have laughed at that. Should have, but also I want to first point out, excellent word choice there, adjudicator. That uh, opened up the vocabulary, Carm. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm big, Bert. I'm very big. Yep. Well, I mean, we've known that. So it's a day that ends in Y, Carm. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, um, I did not know that Hernandez story at all. I, I did not realize he actually ended up tossing out the guy who was calling him out over the, the loudspeaker, which it's the most Angel Hernandez thing I've ever heard in my life. And it also reminds me, do you remember during COVID ball when Joe West ejected Mike Rizzo from the, uh, one of the, one of the booths? Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I thought country Joe West was the only umpire who did that. So although if there was a second umpire that I would have guessed would have done that, Angel Hernandez would have been numero uno. Yeah, listen, uh, you are allowed to yell at umpires from a fan standpoint. You are, it's over the top. You know, you don't want to incite the fans on the ump like McMichael did. However, it was already going on. And what are you talking about? Kicking him out of the game. How exactly do you think you're enforcing that, Angel? You're leaving your position behind home plate? Uh to make sure that, you know, it's, it's one thing you inject the guy out of the game. Okay. I don't see you in the dugout. You're, you're not able to manage and, or certainly you can't come up to the plate. It, the whole thing was ridiculous, but all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, 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 not just I, I, baseball. We here at the baseball insiders are hoping you move on from your angel Hernandez problem. Uh, all right, Bert Byron Buxton's back doing Byron Buxton things. The Minnesota twins are, sweeping the White Sox, and they're in first place in the AL Central. Uh, this was, I guess, the plan once they signed Carlos Correa, but this is a, a good little early season story. Uh, the White Sox were heavy favorites of that division, but scuffling along here, ton of injuries. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, what's your reaction to what the Twins are doing? Pure shock, because last year they were awful. 
and they made wholesale changes in the offseason and actually like um, moves that I agreed with. Uh, getting rid of Josh Donaldson's contract was a big, big thing for them and it allowed them to sign Carlos Correa. But they were going to be better than last year strictly because Byron Buxton's back. And as long as that guy stays healthy, I know we've talked about this in previous shows, but if he's if he stays healthy, that is a completely different team. And there was a stat posted today that since 2019 with Buxton, the Twins are 124 and 73 uh, with a plus 233 run differential. Um, and in the 203 games that he has not played, the Twins are 94 and 109. And in the last 162 games he's played, I know I'm throwing a lot of stats at you, but he has an 8.4 war, which makes him that's a franchise altering player right there. And having him back, having him play at this level, I mean, it's, it changes their team. And something that completely has me kind of mind blown is offense throughout the big leagues is down. There's a lot of talk behind the scenes that the baseball is different and that they dejuice the ball even more um, because these balls are just not leaving the ballpark like they did in previous years. And yet Buxton is hitting absolute Taters. I mean, that was a 469-foot bomb hit yesterday off of Liam Hendricks to win the game. And he's doing that consistently, too. Um, it's very impressive. You know, I'm hoping he stays healthy because the game of baseball is better with Byron Buxton when he's healthy. And the Twins are reaping the benefits of it right now. So just a reminder for those who haven't dived deep into the Buxton stats He's played over 100 games once in his career. That was in 2017 when he had his first breakout season and played 140 games. And a breakout season, by the way, I mean, he had 253 with 16 homers. Uh, It wasn't, uh, and he struck out 150 times. It wasn't like he was dominating. And, but this guy has, you know, the next year, 28 games, then 87 and then we get, uh, you know, pandemic time, 39, 61 games last year. And it's interesting because he nearly got traded and he always wanted to stay in Minnesota and he ends up getting a seven-year, $100 million contract, which for a premier player, you're basically paying a third. But the Twins were able to get that because the dude can't stay on the field. So when healthy... He's great when not healthy, which is often, you know, you get nothing. So I, I don't know. I'm rooting for the guy and it, but it's also like a, a great, great deal for the twins with this dude. I mean, even if he plays half the games, he has value for him, but hopefully he'll be able to, I don't know, you know, be a guy that can at least play start to play 120, 130 games a season. Yeah. If he does, then they're talking about an absolute steal at a hundred million dollars. Cause if, if he's able to play 130 games per year, we're looking at a well over $300 million player. And that's why the twins were so eager to do a contract like this. And there was also a ton of risk in that kind of kind of contract that he ended up signing because that injury history. I mean, I know a hundred million, like a hundred million dollars is a lot of money and signing the guy who can't stay healthy or who previously could not stay healthy to that amount of money is a risk over seven years, 15 yes. a year. That's a risk. You don't like, I mean, it's a smaller risk, but like, it's still a risk. I mean, it's not going to completely blow up the payroll. It's a small risk. Yeah. It's a a small risk for a premier player. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a huge win for Minnesota. They have incentives in there. If he, if he wins the MVP, he could make 25 million, 
which if he wins the MVP by war and baseball calculations, he's worth $50 million. Yeah, absolutely. And if the Twins did not do that deal, there were plenty of other teams who were willing to do that kind of a contract. Like if he was traded, I was convinced he was going to go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies liked him a lot. Uh, and I know they ended up talking to the Twins about Buxton in the past, but I mean, obviously the Twins ended up extending him. But if the, tw- if the Twins traded him, like the team that was circled atop my list was Philly. Are the are the twins sustainable, Bert? What do you think? Great question. I think they have a high floor. I just don't know what their ceiling is like, just because I don't know about their pitching. Um, I think that's something that their front office could address if they're firmly in the playoff hunt. Because um, I know they they ended up talking to um, the A's about Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya, or maybe one of those two. I don't know if it was both. Um, they also had talks with Johnny Cueto. I thought that deal was actually going to get done, but they never really stepped up until he ended up signing with, uh, with the White Sox. But they tried for more pitching this offseason, did not get it done. So I would expect them to target it pretty heavily at the deadline if they're still firmly in the hunt. But right now, I don't know if it's like completely sustainable. What about you, Karen? What do you, what do you think? Uh, listen, the, right now that division just feels like the land of the bad. The, the White Sox, who I want to talk about in a second here, are missing Aloy Jimenez now for another two months. Uh, their starting rotation has been impacted with Lance Lynn uh, getting hurt, Lucas Giolito now uh, coming back, so so that's a good thing. They're, Liam Hendricks is getting knocked around as their closer. I, I don't know if the, you know, the, the White Sox are, it, it's very early and the Sox probably get to get high to win this division going away. I would still bet on that. But if things start keep, continue to go sideways, which by the way, part of the White Sox issues is, is the guy in the dugout right now is having a rough one in Tony La Russa. But uh, yeah, I, I, you, Carlos Correa can impact a ball club in, in many ways. And Buxton yesterday was 0 for 3 and looked awful in his first three at-bats. And, you know, Buxton talks about how there's conversation in the dugout and him and uh, him being Correa and Sano are talking to him. And, I mean, the guy's had a great career to this point. Um but I, I, I don't know that that's a, that's a different dude to have in there. So I, I don't know. It, it feels to me like the twins might be the surprise story of 2022 sitting here on April the 25th. No, and you're right. And it's also pretty crazy to think about. We've been a few minutes into this discussion about the twins. And this was the first time we mentioned Carlos Correa. Um, it shows just how good Buxton has been, but you're right. Uh, the Correa factor does like change things quite a bit with them. Um, I still, I still worry about that pitching, but having a lineup with Buxton and Correa, I mean, pretty good. I mean, I, I can think of worse things. Yeah, let me go into the Sox here and my pseudo hot take of the day. Down the line goes Aloy Jimenez trying to beat out a ground ball to third. And he's out, and he extends himself and he blows out his hamstring, and he's out two months. There is a long list, Bert, of players who have gotten hurt 
running to first base. Jose Altuve, Bryce Harper, Ryan Howard. White, who, so who'd you say? Ryan Howard. Remember him blowing out his Achilles tendon? Right. Uh, Adam Eaton. It's a, it's it's a long, long, long list. And last year for the White Sox, Luis Robert did it, trying to leg out an infield hit. Yep. This, this this gets back to my point. Baseball, 162 game season. Do not play hard. It's not worth it. Ground ball to third. Even if it's hit fairly lightly, you're out. 60% effort down the line is good. Extending yourself, because a lot of times, let's be honest, 162-game season. How many guys in baseball have the discipline to get to the ballpark early, get out there, stretch, get loosened up, and then be ready when they hit that tapper to go 100% down the line to leg out, give themselves that extra 5% chance that they might beat it out? Not many. Not many. Not many. You know, I, I spend a lot of time around the White Sox. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson's on that field at at nine in the morning taking ground balls for a one o'clock game pretty much every damn day. But you saw with him last year that his legs basically got sore and he had to miss a bunch of time. Mm -hmm. No, also, I'm going to cut you off there for a second on Tim Anderson. Uh, I wanted to give him a shout out because he had that bad stretch defensively. What was it? Six errors in a three day span. Um, he did not hide from it. He ended up with, like he was right there in front of the media, facing the music, talking about it. And then he told the athletics, Ken Rosenthal on the Fox broadcast that he takes full accountability for it and like owned it. Um, and I thought that was really refreshing. So shout out to Tim Anderson for that, because I don't think there's many ball players who do that these days, especially yeah, that, to that degree. That That's who he is. Uh, I love Tim Anderson. He's a huge credit to the game and a great, great uh, leader for the White Sox. But uh, I don't know. I know it, it sounds ridiculous, but don't go crash it into walls. Don't go 110 miles, 110% down to first base. Too many, too many games, too long of a season, too little of a chance that it's going to really impact the game. You have to take care of number one. So leg, and, and when you're, this is totally unfair, Bert, but the, the White Sox put out a video uh, from opening day, like arrival times. They're all coming to the park and it's eight o'clock and here's Kendall Graveman or whoever. There's Luis Robert. Eloy was like the last one to show up, showed up sometime in the 10 o'clock hour. And this is unfair, but okay. You know, just just based on that and 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 myself being around there, by the way, I, I don't see you as the yoga Pilates keeping yourself loose extra stretched guy. And you got this big body, a lot of moving parts, and now uh you're out for two months, which just yeah. sucks. Sucks you for know, you, sucks for the team. Yeah, it sucks for everybody. As, as baseball fans, like I've used this phrase before, but baseball is better with Eloy Jimenez when he's healthy. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with your don't try take. Um, cause I, okay. I'll let you defend that one for a second. Uh, it, 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 don't try too hard. Try, try less, try smart, be smart. How's okay. That? I get, okay. That, that, Play smart. Okay. We're, we're on the, 
we're on the same page now. Um, but with Jimenez, like he has shown in the last couple of years that he does not really have an ability to tone it down and it's cost him significant time on the field. And like, if there's ever a case for like, just be good, yeah. like slow it down. It's him because crashing into walls is going to shorten his career span by quite a bit. And, um, this also goes right back to another reason why the White Sox did not trade Andrew Vaughn for um, for Frankie Montas, just because Jimenez can't stay healthy. Um, and if they traded Vaughn and then immediately lost Jimenez, they would have been screwed. I almost said a word a little stronger than that, uh, but we're keeping this podcast PG. Um, but they would have been in big trouble. People should know that Bert was up at uh, one in the morning last night and just decided to start reading the internet and Peter King and has seven pounds of coffee in it, but now is crashing in the middle of this podcast. That is correct. Yeah. I woke up at one o'clock and I had a tweet notification from Peter King because I wanted, I always read his Monday morning quarterback. Like that's how I start my Mondays. Um, and just so happened to start at one o'clock in the morning. And then like the excitement from that, the knowing that I'm going to Vegas tomorrow and knowing that I was about a few hours away from podcasting with you. I mean, that excitement is just too much Carm. So yeah, by well, Okay. Actually I'll go back to our text thread for a second here, Carm. We got to have the receipts here. I really appreciate that you threw me in there in your excitement level, you know, Peter King notification, what I am and Oh my God, I'm going to Vegas for, Oh yeah. But yeah. And you Carm and you appreciate All right, it. Yeah. It's my guy right there. Um, what was it? Okay. Yeah, I told him, I said, I've been up since 1 a.m., so it could get weird today, which, I mean, we've kept it, like, relatively not weird, which, thank you. unfortunate. Uh, I'm, I'm we asked how that happened, and I said, not exactly sure. Woke up, read Peter King's column, got excited, made coffee. Now, here I am at 5.48 in the morning with a full pot of coffee in my belly, which, no lies spotted there. Yeah, so I, I mean, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I which I do all the time because, you know, nature calls or whatever, I, you know, I got, I got my podcast rolling. I've got uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll spend five minutes on TikTok, but then it's, it's, you know, it's right back to bed there, Robert. That's what I don't, I don't do the not only do like I would get it like the reading part. Sure. You're excited to read whatever. Peter King. I got it. But then to actually choose, I'm getting up and I'm making coffee. Yeah, that that's where I get confused. Yeah, but I'm, and I'm, well, and I'm I proud of you. Better job of that. Like that was a mistake by me. Although I will say, there's something I I failed to mention here is one of my most prominent sources texted me at 11:30 last night and said, "Hey, are you awake? I want to call." And the last time he sent that, he gave me a very big scoop. And I'm like, oh boy, what the heck could this be? Is it another extension? Is it like a, a trade? Um, and it turns out he just he wanted to talk to me about some random stuff. So um, yeah, I kind of got teased pretty hard there. But hey, you live and you learn, I guess. When did you ultimately have that conversation? Um, so as I said, I woke up at one o'clock, and yeah. we had that conversation at five twenty-four in the morning. Okay, so you were so the truth is told here. You thought you were getting some hot scoop in the middle of the night. You made coffee. You thought you were going to go from uh, whatever how many Twitter followers you have to 100k, 
And, uh, and that's why that all happened. And it has nothing to do with this podcast right now. Uh, correct. Do we have it accurately now? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to confirm or deny that, but yeah, I will say that the podcast was definitely part of the excitement. Carl. It's always a nice way to start my week. Yeah, no, no, it's, I, 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 I love doing it with you, buddy. So wow, anyway, what a okay. Yep. 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 All right. Let, let, <laughs> let's, but to wrap up the, the White Sox Eloy conversation, uh, and it's actually a perfect dove into Michael Conforto. Just uh, be smart out there, baseball players. Long season. We If fans boo you because you didn't run 1,000% to first base, that's on them, not on you. Now, Michael Conforto, out for the season, shoulder surgery. Here's another lesson. The Mets offered him an an $18 million qualifying offer. Now, he didn't know he was going to get hurt. I get it. But $18 million for a player who's made $23 million in his seven years, it's a hell of a lot of money. Um, now, $23 million is a whole lot. You know, we don't need to feel sorry for the dude. He should already be more than set for life. I'm going to gander a guess that I'm not going to make 23 million in my life, but you never know. Fingers crossed. But uh, he's got to be that. What a what a terrible terrible place for him to be in. Just not only trying to come back, but thinking about the fact that he gave up all that dough. Yeah, that has to be a very tough pill for him to swallow. And we mentioned on the podcast last week that it was going to be a while until he returned. Um, I had heard surgery was a definite possibility, but I was not able to report that. So I cushioned it by saying that it was going to be a while. I just did not expect it to be a season ending kind of a, kind of an injury. And I still don't know exactly what this is, but at the same time, I'm wondering what happened because Boris says that he hurt himself or Boris said that Conforto hurt himself while he was training in the off season. Um, and a few weeks ago, Boris went on the record with the New York Post and said this. I'm reading off a paragraph now uh, saying that Boris said Conforto had asked him not to negotiate a contract until the outfielder was completely healed. Boris said Conforto returning to hitting five weeks ago and is now back to his normal swing plane and is working out for teams in Arizona where Conforto resides. And then Boris described the injury as a strain. And then four or five weeks later, Conforto has season-ending surgery. So did he suffer a setback? Was Boris underplaying what this injury was? We don't know, but that one is a, is a mystery to me and plenty of other people in baseball right now. So what I'm confused about is a lot of times when you have a talented player like this, they get a two-year deal or like one with an option where mm-hmm. a team will pay, they would pay Conforto to call it like say two million this year, with a twelve million dollar option next year for the team to pick up. So we get you recruit some dough, right? And then maybe it's a mutual option to pick yeah. it up or not pick it up. Uh, we have we're not seeing that to this point. Do you do you have any understanding of that? Yeah, he's my guess is he will not be signing. That's just a guess. It's not based on any intel. Um, we've seen teams take that kind of a risk in the past. We've seen it with, uh, Tommy Conley with, the with the Dodgers where they understood he wasn't going to be pitching for most, if not all the year. Um, and there's been other instances of that too. 
but I can't see Conforto signing now because his value is just, it's nothing. I would imagine he signs a one-year deal this next off season, try to reestablish that value and then hit free agency again when he's a year older. Um, it's not a great place for him to be. And in the end, he costs himself a lot of money and, um, yeah, it's just a, a very unfortunate situation for him. But you think that somebody will sign him in the off year? Yeah. In the, well, I guess maybe part of the reason why you couldn't do that now is because there is draft pick compensation tied to him. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and so like, by the, so by the time of next year, it won't be. So that's why that won't happen. Bingo. Yeah. And I, that draft pick compensation really hurt him too. And he was the last player who was going to have that attached to him. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm very curious to see how his, how his market looks like next year, because there, there was teams interested in him this year. Um, and I, I believe the white Sox were one Marlins were never really in. Um, I think the giants might've been in at one point. I, maybe it just had a really low number. Um, but like there was teams interested in him. It just didn't get done in the draft pick compensation and the injury were two key reasons why. All right, let's move on. Let's go to the Cardinals here. And uh, you're wondering how long they're going to stick with Paul DeYoung. What's your answer, Robert? I don't know, Um, but he's got to be on a pretty short leash. And it's not going to be like this month. It's probably going to end up being closer to the midseason point when they have a a very established um, sample size because it's too early to make conclusions two weeks into the year, but the Cardinals this off season, they bet heavily on DeYoung bouncing back. Um, and they decided not to pursue any of the top shortstops like Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Javier Baez. Like they didn't pursue any of those guys because of their belief in, in DeYoung. And he's actually been worse than he has or worse than he was last year. He's hitting below like 150 in that ballpark. Um, and like the Cardinals, like publicly, they're expressing optimism, and like DeYoung is saying the same thing, saying it's just one. He's like one pitch away, um, and that he feels like he's close. But at some point, you need to put results on the field, and he's not been able to do that for a year plus now. And I, as I said, it's not going to be anytime soon that they make a decision. But it's uh, he's going to be feeling the pressure here in a little bit if he's not turning that thing around. Brewers are red hot. They your pick in that in the central. Give me the Cardinals. You still, Even though, still going with the Cardinals because, I mean, they're they're in the lead in that division right now. They're nine and five. Well, actually, they're tied with the Brewers. Um, but I believe in that trio of hitters with Arnado, Goldschmidt, and Tyler O'Neill. I think they're as solid as anyone. Not named the Dodgers. And then Jack Flaherty is going to return at some point. But they also have a lot of flexibility. Um, for midseason additions because their payroll right now is lower than it was last year. And I, I don't think they're going to end up making a big addition, but they can add a shortstop. I think two options that make sense for them are Ahmed Rosario. Um, and then you also have Alberto Mondesi with the Royals. I think those two options make sense. Although I would go for Rosario over Mondesi. Um, I, I just think he's a better player and plus he can stay healthy. Um, but they can also go for another rotation addition because right now they have Jordan Hicks in the rotation, who's number five guy, but a career reliever. 
and also Dakota Hudson, who struggled, but they still believe in him and they, they like him a lot, but uh, they got flexibility for more, but right now they're my favorite. All right. I want to uh, wrap this one up today, Burr, with a shout out to Miguel Cabrera, the 33rd member of the 3000 hit club, seventh player in major league history to uh, have 3000 hits and 500 homers. And, uh, my, my story with Miggy, the reason why I want to bring it up, 2003, Bert. I don't know if you remember what happened in 2003. How old were you? I was seven. You were seven. Okay, I was not seven. I was, uh, what was I doing? Well, that, the night that I'm thinking of was game seven of the NLCS Cubs-Marlins. First inning, and yours truly, Bert, was walking the steps, selling beer to Cubs faithful who were trying to shake off a game six loss where Mark Pryor had a 3 nothing lead going into the eighth inning, and Alex Gonzalez booted a ground ball after Steve Bartman reached for a foul ball, and Moises Alou went nuts, and all – and uh, – Right. The, the, there was the energy in the park that day was of complete death that the Chicago Cubs were going to lose. What's your, what's that? What are you doing over there? Go ahead. I did not realize that was 2003 for Bartman. I don't know why, but like, if you look back at the video, it looks like it's like a lot longer ago. It just looks, I don't know, like really low quality, but I did not realize that was 2003, but anyways, continue. It was two, it was 2003. Okay. So Kerry Wood started that game which is a good guy to have on the mound. And uh, in the first inning with Carmen in the right field corner, selling beer like a madman, Miggy comes to the plate, first inning, two on, one out, and he bombs a three-run homer to make it three-zip after losing game six, and the place is beyond dead and dead silent and i am i i can't even speak i i i'm 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 so beyond sick to my stomach and people are screaming at me for beer and i'm giving them the one finger salute you know set like i know you want your beer it's the first inning you just sat down and you're like i'm going to the cub game and i'm like shut up the dude just hit a three-run bomb. The season's over. We're never going to live this down. It's going to be 13 years until they miraculously win the World Series. Uh, but that was Miggy's rookie year. And he had a three-run homer in the first inning of Game 7 with Carm selling beer in the right field corner. And giving fans a one-finger salute. Holy. Hey. I did, boy, I always forget because you told me uh, when we first met that you were, you were selling beer at the, at the ballpark. That, uh, you have any other stories like that, Carm, where you're giving fans a one finger salute or uh, many, many stories, oh, many stories, many stories. I, uh, it's the only profession where I have reached the pinnacle bird. I, you know, I started out as cotton candy, worked my way up to two peanuts through hot dogs. And then all the way in at Wrigley, the first tub that you get is the blue tub old style, which is a great moment. But when you get the red tub and you're, you're selling Budweiser, that is that's Dude. when you that's when you reach the pinnacle, yeah. and that is the only profession that I actually reach the pinnacle. So I, I hold it uh, myself in you know proud esteem for for rising through the ranks. 
as you should. You know what? I'll even say it on the record right now. I'm proud of you, Carl. Like that's that's a true story of perseverance right there. Right, uh, right. And right. also, like that, you, that prompted me to um, remember something that I saw on Twitter the other day. Um, it was a Yankees fan in the stands dipping his beer or dipping his hot dog in his beer, like and eating it. Like I kid you not. Like he would take a bite. Like he dipped it, took a bite, dipped it, took a bite. And I know we, we talked about like this kind of penalty in previous episodes, but, like that guy should be ejected. He might even, he should be prosecuted actually. Like who does that Carl? Like dips a hot dog in his beer. It kind oh. of sounds like one bite. I, I would, I would at least minorly enjoy it. And what we did learn by the way, in the pre-show meeting today, that is that Robert Murray has never had an, an alcoholic beverage at a baseball game because you're since you've been 21, you've always been credentialed. Yeah. That makes me. Yeah. I, I got to change that eventually. Cause I'm going to end up having some buddies of mine back at home hear this and they're going to razz me. Um, but yeah, I've never had a, a beer at a ballpark before. Not once, not even a sip car. Bert, you have friends, right? Um, allegedly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, and, but like that, that would invite you to go to a baseball game. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I at least have like one, like a, they're not a, even an imaginary friend either. Like they're actually like a legit person. So, I mean, if you don't have any friends, I don't want to pick at it. Like, it's okay. I'm your friend I'm right here, buddy. Me, wow. Me. Look at that. What a guy right there. But yeah. no, I can report that I have a very good friend group. That's, that's one thing I, okay. I, okay. Oh, I, I have had a beer at a Bucks game before. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that there, counts. There, and well, I no, went that, more than one friend too. So I have, I have options. That counts. I also will say that, uh, listen, there's something to be said for having a beer at a ball game, sure. Um, but they're ruining it by charging $14 for a beer. Hey. <laughs> Absolute bargain. Respect your fans, baseball. Let's have roll it back day. And can we, can we, get, a, can we get a $4 beverage here? I mean, is that, is that not uh, – I don't think that's asking too much for your, your crappy ballpark Miller Lite. Let's go. Four no. bucks. I'm in total agreement. That's why like that right there. And also dollar hot dog day as a young whippersnapper, I was a huge fan of the dollar hot dog day. I would be shoveling those things in. Like you wouldn't believe what's uh, the most you ever had. It's definitely 10 plus. You had 10 uh, hot dogs in one game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm a string bean, but I got myself a bottomless pit. I eat six meals a day, Carm. And I still lose weight. You have 10 hot dogs. Do you feel sick? No, I feel just fine. I mean, now if I did it, I'd, I'd probably feel sick. But um, back then, I was feeling, feeling just fine. Okay. It was like, the, like the jumbo ones, too, Carm. Also, I want to say this, too. Lambeau Field has very good hot dogs. I don't know what it is, but they're just delicious. So um, that's the only thing they do well there. As we say goodbye on the Baseball Insiders, what do you put on that hot dog, Bert? I know it's ketchup. I just know it is. Um, no, I don't do or plain. I do. I actually do mustard and onions. Um, that's a normal play. So also I am a huge fan of the Chicago style hot dog. You do you, all you need to do is take off the relish and the tomatoes and whole oh boy, the celery salt carm. Whole oh boy. I'm actually drooling thinking about that. I can feel it like starting to like form in my mouth right now. I, I had one on uh, on Friday night. Uh, at, at, How was at it? The bowl. It was delicious. It was at the uh, 
At the Bulls and Bucks, your Milwaukee Bucks are taking it to my Bulls in in epic fashion. Apparently, so, Sean, apparently Sean Daly, by the way, had six hot dogs this weekend over a campfire and was in pain for hours. I, you, Sean's my guy, always has been. I mean, that's just a nasty decision by Daly and and by you back in the day. We would go, as I proudly like to boast, that I I would go four hot dogs. Um, Wrigley Field used to have a, a place by the name of Yum Yum Donuts outside. You could break food in the ballpark. And Yum Yum used to charge like, I want to say it was like $1.79 for a hot dog. And they were oh. delicious. So you could, you know, we'd, I think I would get four and bring them in. And too early, another one in the third, another one in the sixth. That was the day. Something along those lines. Out. So yeah. you were like truly, truly like starving, but you were just like, yeah, you're pacing yourself. Smart man. You know, it was you know, they're wrapped. It's it's warm out there. They they would stand the test of time. Back they back then though, Cubs used to be the the hot dog vendor was David Berg and they were it was straight delicious. And then they just Berg went away and the, the dog became less quality. Uh White Sox have an amazing grilled hot dog. Really delicious. Big fan of that. Love a yeah. real hot dog. Also, what do you put on your hot dogs, Carm? We need we need this. Chicago style, Chicago style, brother. Everything. Let's go. Um, grilled mustard and onion. Um, if we're doing that, let's see. All right, we should probably. Ra- I think we're wrapping this up, Bert. Anything that we didn't cover today? Did I miss anything? I think we covered it, Carm. Good episode today. It was uh, always a pleasure doing this. And oh, by the way, I'm going on vacation. So if you don't hear from me, or if I don't respond back to texts. Uh, yeah, when are you coming fine. back? I get back on Saturday. So this is my first vacation in a few years. So I'm going to be heard, I've heard rumors that we're adding another show Thursdays, a live baseball insiders. So that, whenever I, I can confirm that they, a source very close to the situation has confirmed that. So as first reported by Carm, we're doing a live show on Thursdays now, but not this coming Thursday as we do a production meeting on the podcast. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Okay. All right. Very nice. All right. Um, Thank you for listening to the Baseball Insiders. We really appreciate it when you leave a review or just click that five stars or whatever. I mean, if you feel like you're if you're at a four star, you're at a four star. If you're at a one star, you're at a one star. Be honest. Uh, But any reviews are appreciated. And uh, yes, we're adding a second showing. You can we're going to be going live so you can actually talk to Robert Murray and me, but mainly Robert in the chat, ask him every damn baseball question that you ever wanted to ask. So I'm really looking forward to that, buddy. Let's, let's kick some ass with a live show. I'm straight baby. Yeah. Five stars for the, the tape ones and five stars for the, uh, the, for the live episode. So this is going to end up being real good. Burpee, and, yeah. Don't give into the top. Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm, I said, I'm very anxious to talk with everybody. It's the first time doing something like this on the Twitter stream. So should be good. Yeah. It's going to be great. Don't give in to the tiredness today. Make it to the end of the day. You can do it. That's I like that mentality. We're about to go get a haircut for the first time in a month. So we're uh, we're making moves today, Carm. Who are we seeing? Uh, my boy Taylor over at the Dapper Devil in Scottsdale, Arizona. So Dapper <laughs> I knew it was Dapper a Devil. I knew it was a question worth ask, asking. The <laughs> Dapper <laughs> Devil is where Bert That's gets right. his hair. That's where Bird gets his haircut. Of course he does. Uh, All right. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the games. Baseball Insider saying goodbye.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co 